0: Welcome to the weekend must watch on Intercut, the weekly show going through all the movies, TV, and entertainment that people just can't cut away from. I'm your co-host Arturo Zurita, coming all the way back from Iraq, as you can see right there, a little crap just like my screening was a little bit, uh, joined by the one and only my co-host Zachary Shevich, looking new, maybe have a part three? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, yeah, I mean, we got to keep the thing going, right? I want uh, a part three, part four, give me episode seven, give me an episode what eight. What part? Of
1: the intercut podcast, are we in right now? Because we've been doing this for a little while. Is this is it's this part like it's still pre production? It's still pre production
0: until we get that two be deal. <laughs> we okay. become the first like Roger and Eber for for the streaming age.
1: <laughs> I'm excited for our official launch. Uh, yeah, man, it's wonderful to be back in Arrakis. We're going to spend a bunch of time talking about Dune Part Two. Not all of it on this live stream. Mm-hmm. We're, we're going to do a whole separate uh, review of Dune because you know we're going to go long on a new Denis movie. Uh, but there's a lot of other movies. Some that I'm quite excited to talk
0: about, and others that I'm a little
1: dreading talking about.
0: Yeah, it was a pretty good weekend. Movies, I would say, uh, as we're wrapping up February, we what by next week we're already going to be in March. We're going to be doing some South by stuff, but we have arrived at the biggest movie. I think he's the of the year, uh, one of the big ones that people have been excited for. But we also have been getting some really interesting stuff that's going to connect to our bracket that we're going to be doing later uh, today as we record. It's going to be out later this week. But that is, for the movie that's going to start it all right here, Drive Away Dolls, the newest movie from the Coen brother, now that they've kind of <laughs> split. And uh, it was funny, as we were like looking up all of our stuff, how many like metaphors or, or not like puns you could do? Mm-hmm. Two brothers that are no longer together who made a movie called Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? And damn, does one no longer have the funny and the other one maybe is too goofy. I was not expecting the new Cohen brother movie to have iMovie transitions. That's where I'm going to start at. (laughs) What were your thoughts on Drive Away Dolls? You know, it,
1: it is really funny, as you mentioned, that like... It, there is such a stark contrast between Ooh. the Ethan Cohen movie we just got and the Joel Cohen movie that we got previously, Tragedy Macbeth. Uh, it's always sort of been fascinating to watch them operate and, you know, curious to find out, like, who's responsible for what, or, you know, are they, do they have, like, kind of one shared brain or something like that? And it's very clear, no, they are bringing two different skill sets uh, to the table. uh, With Joel Cohen being a a lot more, like, artistly and, like, very into the camera and the visual presentation uh, of his films, Uh, it's a lot more self-serious, Tragedy Macbeth, And with Ethan making Driveway Dolls, this is just like a a goofy, fun, pretty good time. It's a very slack movie and and not really like something that... I think holds together under much weight. But at the same time, I had like a lot of fun just sort of hanging out with it. Um, it, it, But it really does feel like, I I hate to be so reductive about it, but it kind of feels like they did half of the movie, right?
0: Like they're, they're missing the Joel Cohen half of this movie. Look, we're so used to that. That, yeah, I think you were saying who's got what juice when they bring in and wh- when do they make that complete meal? We can go mm-hmm. down here and realize, like, yeah, this, this looks like a Joel movie, right? <laughs> this is a little mixture of them both. This is definitely yep. Ethan. Like, you can now play this game, this like almost bingo <laughs> thing over under it's, on like who got a little bit of it.
1: It's also funny to sort of go back through their movies and be like, okay, uh, the white picket fence thing in A Serious Man, you can see that in Driveway yep. Dolls, too. Yeah. The, uh, obsession with marital AIDS that we see in burn
0: after reading. Oh, we will get into that. Yeah. Dude, (laughs) even the breaking of the fourth wall. Yeah. Can you not say that phrase? There's a specific, very Fargo like (laughs) phrase that's said early on. And I I don't, I I really liked how, how open he was with the movie. I saw it by the midway through uh, as a good point. I thought the transitions that he was making, I thought the goofiness of it. I know you're saying that maybe some of the plot doesn't hold under some weight. I'm curious what parts, because I actually thought that the goofiness of it kind of worked. Yeah. I mean, the, the thing is it's really goofy and it's such a fun
1: time. I just don't know if like the, you know, crime element of it the hit, the tracking them down element of it feels fully fleshed out you know it's sort of like a lark which is not a bad thing i don't think mm-hmm. it's necessarily trying to be this like very self serious it's very definitely not trying to be a very self serious you don't see se- raisingers all like movie. that no i mean that's that's there, there's well, elements we've been binging them all. Also, their, yeah. yeah, exactly. There's so elements of that in some of their previous films. It's just the way that it feels kind of slapdash. How how like you know? I, I think I've, it feels especially given that it's you know barely making it to ninety minutes long. It's a pretty. <laughs> Slight yeah. movie, but it almost also feels almost like scenes were cut out, parts where there were, they could have developed the relationships more or the dynamics more or gone deeper into the world. They just kind of said, eh, we're not really interested in that." And and it's not something that I think the movie necessarily needs or is aiming for, but it's something that might have made it feel less like. A, less like a diversion right like it's just mm-hmm. kind of a fun time and it kind of it maybe could have been a little bit more than that right because it's had has this really interesting period setting it's sort of at the dawn of this new age of political uh of, of of yeah in 99 the it, it's right before the uh Bush Gore election you you have uh you have an actor coming in playing this republican politician as well um and and also the sort of way that they depict uh, LGBT rights at this point in time in the country. I, I think it's just a there's a lot of interesting stuff there that maybe could have felt a little bit uh, full more fully realized. But I was laughing a lot with it. I think the performances are really fun. I'm not sure whether or not uh, Margaret Qu- Margaret Qualley's southern accent is like better or worse than Rachel Zegler's in the uh, Hunger Game movies. But sh- it's a really fun performance, and I really worse. like. <laughs> I really like how she just fully commits to a character.
0: Yeah. You have to be a really fun actress to carry that thing as a third passenger in the car. That accent was struggling at the diner. (laughs) It was going one way, she was going the other, but, like, she... Delivers this energy of this person who, uh, from the beginning of the movie, is not necessarily the most faithful person. Uh, they're going all around town for the most part, got, kind of knowing every single lesbian bar, and she's trying to bring her friend, who's a little bit more uptight, the person that they're trying to say, like, "Yo, you know, dress more casually, just be, you know, go out there and be with other people," since it seems mm-hmm. you've been very closed. They're the complete opposites, and I think that that part of the road trip movie really worked for me, especially when that's juxtaposed with them taking a car that was meant for these two other dummies who are kind mm-hmm. of like the inverse of them as well but as men who aren't really really uh, not to get into too much spoilers but they're almost paralleling a lot of the scenes together and that could also mm-hmm. be why it feels so short because you're just seeing the same scene again and then there's a psychedelic bit you're right. seeing them do these goofy bits as they're trying to get down to Tallahassee and then you get some of the wankiest transitions dude I have to bring up some of the stuff that we had here because I could not believe what they were playing with here mm-hmm. right off the bat some of the transitions that I had here Were you a fan of the iMovie slate? (laughs) Yeah, man. I'm a fan of it all, I think. I counted about 14, 15. There was one where a car gets into a pothole and it rubbles into the next scene. Like, y'all think it's like a couple? We're talking it's more apparent than a Star Wars George Lucas movie. Yeah. He tried everyone in the book and and I had a blast with it.
1: Yeah, here's the thing. It's that, like... Yeah, they kind of can come across pretty goofy and pretty cheesy, but if it's sort of a match for the tone of the movie, then it works. And I think it sort of adds to the the loose nature of this film. It, it, it's not taking itself seriously. It's really just trying to uh, be like a fun time. It it adds to the world, you know. There's all those like psychedelic transition moments that that kind of uh, bring you from one sequence to the next. And I'm not so sure how much it feels yeah. like apt, given that this isn't Cohesive. like exactly like a a druggy movie.
0: But yeah, right, because it, in the middle of the movie, it's it shifts that tone, right? And you're yeah. like, okay, if it was here the whole time, that'd be kind of cool. It does kind of jump around. I'll, I'll give you that one. um Did you like the actress who was used for the psychedelic uh, scenes? I, I thought it was pretty funny. I, for some reason, I feel like she's in trailers. I don't know if it's a... Uh... Oh, I, so I didn't know going in. Yeah. But I did Duh. stay for the after credits and found out that the character that they're playing is mm-hmm. a real person. I did not yep. know that, so I still got to... caster. <laughs> dive in there and see. Uh, for, for research purposes. <laughs> research um, only. But I will say this. Out of all the transitions, my favorite one. There is a traffic headlight coming at one of the characters' passenger seat, and it cuts to bd Doing her flashlight, looking into one of the places, bro, that is one of the best transitions of the year. To yeah. me, Ethan, I-, I like it when it's you and your brother because I think you guys really create something special. And without each other, you can see the things that are missing in what we know as a Coen Brothers movie. But I, s- I still respect that. I, s- I still see what you have going here. And I find it just hilarious that the guy who made No Country for Old Men, a movie you and I discussed in length. And I thought was a great discussion with you. Mm-hmm. Made this movie. <laughs> And I love that. I yeah. think it's
1: great. Ethan, keep doing you. Definitely. We should also shout out uh, his, his co-writer and his co-producer and Tell his co-editor, I believe. His wife, Shisha yeah, Cook, for, uh, for this one, who's also been a associate editor or, or I think even since a co-editor on a couple day, yeah. uh Cohen film or a few Cohen films, we should say. And this is a script that they've been kicking around since at least the mid-2000s. Yeah. There's a version of this that was supposed to go into production with like Chloe Sevigny, I, I believe, oh, around 2007. That would have been cool. Yeah, but uh, you know, it, it's funny for a film that has been kicking around as long as it is. How kind of like uh, you know, ca- just sort of like carefree it feels. It doesn't feel yeah. labored over. But I- I'm glad they made it. I-, I have a really, I had a really good time with it. I understand the people who are kind of like, what did I watch? This isn't. This is, like, barely a story, but I I think, like, almost every scene made me laugh. Uh, we haven't mentioned Bill Camp. Well, we didn't mention Geraldine Nathan by name. Uh, we've mentioned her a lot in previous uh, podca- podcasts because we like her a lot in Bad Education. Uh, Hala, some other films that she, she's shown up in. Uh, Blockers. Very good here as well. Uh, but in the small very- role, I thought Bill Camp
0: was hilarious as Curly. Dude. Thank you for bringing it up. I thought the line in the trailer was like cute. Yeah. What did you say his name was? Oh, Bill Camp? Bill Camp. He's like the heart of the movie. There is one line he says (laughs) where he questions himself and he goes, why Bill? (laughs) (laughs) The emotion. He carries it through. Yeah, he was really great. Shout out to Colman Domingo was also fantastic. Yeah. You had a a couple of other cameos in there as well. You had mentioned the guy who technically plays the politician, Mm -hmm. uh, Beto. As I was reading into it about him and his wife, and you were saying that there's some elements in here uh, dealing with you know, relationships and such, and especially in a serious man, something yep. that has been a through line, right? Uh, I got you one of these, first and foremost. Oh, uh, They were beautiful. giving these out at Thank the you. screening. These are massive, bro. These are, like, really big posters, and uh, it was BB, really pushing her. Screen. That's why immediately I Boom. went, oh, yeah, there you go. Boom. Thank you. I immediately went over to um, the, what's it called, uh, IMDB to search her up to see everything else that she had done because they were really pushing. Like, I barely see that. Writer producer It's usually you know Writer director So I'm like yeah. They got a lot to push for her And I was reading up An interview With them Bro they're in an open marriage Which hey hey, hey, yeah. I just like knowing The filmmaking process For where a lot of these ideas come So me watching A serious man yesterday Eye opening I will say that yeah. so, hey Shout out it's, you two As creatives
1: it, it certainly casts A new light Over a lot of the Things yeah. that we've heard In certain Coen Brothers movies
0: A little bit but, uh, yeah, fascinating overall. I, I would still say that it's worth a junior price if you can catch it as a man. And I still think it's worth the theater experience for the transitions and the way that it's shot. And I, I like the cast involved, so I give it a thumbs up for me.
1: Yeah, I would say the same. Uh, I think it's, you know, not not like one of the best movies of the year, but a really good time worth worth catching.
0: Not intolerable cruelty. <laughs> no, well, no. Okay. Although,
1: you know, I was doing my Coen Brothers rankings because uh, we are going to be doing a longer Coen Brothers uh, podcast very soon. And it is, like, pretty much no, close to the bottom. Like, there's Intolerable Cruelty and Lady Killers below it. But, like, I think their solo efforts only go to show you that, like, they're really oh. at their best when they're mixing their talents.
0: You have this one at the bottom. Really?
1: Well, no, no, no. Below, I have it below. I have it above uh, Lady Killers and two. Intolerable Cruelty. The bottom half one, for sure for you. At least one other Coen Brothers movie. Okay. Um but it's, like, still in the bottom half of the pro- films they've produced. And they've p- produced a lot of great films.
0: I think I like it more than Hail Caesar.
1: I mean, yeah, that's the other Coen okay. Brothers film that I have. Right, I just want to
0: make sure. I think that was the only one that I'm, like, I, yes. I, I like this side of uh, him more. So, yeah, that is Drive Away Dolls playing in theaters now. Should be in virtual maybe soon, considering how they flip them really pretty quick. So, within a month, yeah. if you want to catch it at home, you will better catch it at home. The next one, Zach didn't get the chance to see and he should because this movie changes lives Zach, we have a new i said it wasn't a christian movie and then i searched it up no it's it's a christian movie (laughs) yeah but and uh i I will quote this uh because i thought it was a a great way to showcase how these christian movies have kind of been moving they're turning god into the cameo role, so it really is putting people at the forefront and i will say that is the better version of these christian movies this is one of those where it's trying to tell you that you know people coming together is the 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 Honestly, we are the miracles, right? It's not about mm. this magical thing that's going to save you out there. It's about real people doing real things. Uh, it is based off a true story that happened in the 90s. Uh, and it stars Hillary Swank, who is a, a, like a drunk lady, who, because she's going through AA, really tries to help this family out who has a sick daughter whose mother previously also passed in the same hospital. That man is still paying off the mom's bills, now needs to pay off the daughter's bill before she eventually dies, this woman's like, nah, she takes it to the next level. Um, it's got all the cliches that if you've seen any of these types of movies, you're looking for. I think people who mm-hmm. want to come to these movies to cry are going to get that, especially in the second half. First half's kind of rough, but I will give it credit that in that second half, I thought the themes really worked well because when they're confronting her in being an alcoholic, they pretty much tell her. And I thought it was very profound for a you know semi-Christian movie you aren't doing something right you're doing this out of guilt that's still addict behavior and i thought that was very grown for the movie to kind of take that route for it um so out of the slew of movies that we get about like miracles you know we had that one a couple years ago that made it all the way to the oscars where the kid fell into the Do you remember the ice and that trailer was playing mm. like forever um mm-hmm. i think that was steph curry produced obviously this has a lot of people behind it as well so i would give this one the benefit of the doubt uh for the watch because it actually cares about making a story where it's not just having you donate your tithes or just pray and hope that it goes well. It shows you that it's the actions that you take that actually becomes the miracles that people are waiting for. So, uh, Hillary Swank's decent. Uh, I like the boy. Yeah. Alan Richen, uh, Alice Richen, R- Richson. I always try to say his last Reacher name. Reacher himself, right? Yeah. Reacher himself. Uh, you know, when I was rewatching Catching Fire, he plays like the big baddie in there. He's been around for yeah. a minute, but I never expected in a million years, bro. I got to pull up the IMD uh, were you gonna say a TV show? Blue Mountain State? <laughs> how is that being renewed, dude? Hold on. Let me let me pull this up right here. Yeah. I'm I'm seeing the news that they're remaking this and it was around Fast X where I went back to see what he had done and it blew my mind that he was the dude from Spike TV, dude. Zach, tell people what the show is about and how it is impossible to bring this back. I don't know how they're gonna do it. Uh Yeah, they are apparently, you're breaking
1: this news to me, so Which? I'm reading alongside with other, everyone, but they are doing a Blue Mountain State sequel series, or at least shopping it, it looks like. Uh, this was a show that was on... The uh, formerly named Spike TV, which if you're too young to remember that or (laughs) or not in America, was like TV for guys not not this other crap that's out there. This is TV for my bros. And this is a show. This is the most bro show. It took place at a college. Followed the these people who are on the football team, but mostly it followed them around to frat parties where they would be binge drinking and uh, and and just like ha- having all sorts of like debaucherous fun, belligerent fun. <laughs> yeah. Belligerent fun. Uh, yeah, it is a ridiculous show that like if you if you were like college age in a certain time frame you definitely got uh shouted like quotes to you like over and over again i i don't know if this show like can exist in 2024 the the no. the early odds were a different landscape out there but yeah. Alan richards like a big star now uh, right? it's just so funny because this is where i know him from and now he's this dude who's in Christian adjacent movies with Hillary Swank <laughs> and the the biggest badass on Amazon TV with, with Reacher
0: and, and he's in Fast X, for crying out loud. Meanwhile, you and I know him as a dude who was slapping the boys in the bathroom. <laughs> you can't even see the IMDb trailer without it being like Borderline Red Band. They think yeah. they're bringing him back with this. I look. I'm well. I did like, a whole
1: movie starring his character
0: because he, he was also that. a supporting character, I that.
1: and he kind of was like the breakout star Hell of that. Hell yeah!
0: Show. And he did it. I I love where he's at with his career. Yeah, fantastic stuff. Hey y'all, watch Ordinary Angels <laughs> out of theater. <laughs> <laughs> Some good stuff over there. I give it. A, I give it like a, a decent red tip. You got a discount code with the family. It's it's good enough for that. It's a little too All long right. though. They also gave me bonus features. That were a whopping 20 extra minutes on top of the trailers, bro. They had (laughs) me there almost till midnight. I was praying, please, just go to the movie, man. (laughs) It was a little too much, but that movie is out in theaters, if you are curious. The next one is also getting a little bit of a limited uh, release, because it is nominated as one of the five international features, and Zach got to catch Io Capitano, which is Italy's submission for the Oscars. Yeah. Uh,
1: One of the, as Art mentioned, five nominees, so... If you're trying to be an Oscar completist, as I'm sure a lot of the intercuties are, uh, it's one you got to catch up with, and it's going to be worth your time. I think it's nice. a really harrowing story of uh, these immigrants. It, it, although the film is nominated for Italy, uh, it follows these Senegalese. Uh, migrants. It starts out in Senegal and chronicles their journey um, across the deserts, through Libya, through all sorts of treachery, and as they immigrate their way to to Europe. And you know, I think we've seen other stories that try to highlight the you know absolutely like devastating conditions that. Uh, migrants have to face. I think about the film The Swimmers that was on Netflix somewhat recently, although there's some controversy around that. Uh, probably the best right, one right, I can right, think right. of is "Is uh, Sin Nombre. Uh, yeah,
0: the, oh, damn. Yeah, yeah. reaching was back that, to the Fukunaga that, uh, yeah, before we canceled Fukunaga. Uh-huh. I remember that one.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, you know, in some respects, this isn't necessarily chronicling Uh, new territory in terms of films, but it is doing it with a sense of authenticity. I I believe the performances from uh, Seydoux Sar and Mustafa Fall are are really, really excellent here. There's kind of like an Odyssey-esque quality to their stories because it's not like going through one experience, but all these different people and obstacles that they face along the way. Um, And, you know, it's, there might be some people who for for whom this is like too much to handle right this is in the all quiet on the western front oh, okay, uh, right. realm of punishing filmmaking but i think it it's really like I think it's really excellently told. I think there are these moments that are really transcendent that really carry you through, and you know, it, I think it's a story that's worth watching. It's not my favorite from the nominees for best international feature, but I, I think it's it's a worthwhile one for sure. So, if you have the opportunity to catch El Capitano, I'd I'd recommend it.
0: What's your four, uh, front runner right now from the nominees in the
1: category? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think it's zone of interest. You know, it almost feels like a like a cheat to put the you the know. Jonathan Glazer movie in there, but uh, it's it's a it's, remarkable movie.
0: It is, and it's out now, which is crazy. It's out on uh, right. VOD, so people are, get the chance to catch it. But yeah. it, insane because of the France rule that Anatomy is winning this award everywhere else. Mm-hmm. We'll be talking about that. We got some awards discussion to get there, but did did you watch uh, this next movie? Uh,
1: I believe so. Yes, I did. I did watch this next movie. Uh, regrettably, I-, I might add.
0: Zach, I had places to be, so I apologize for leaving you solo on this one. <laughs> and you were supposed to be excited. You told me you were <laughs> getting ready, getting your popcorn popped for I it. I wasn't. I wasn't at home. <laughs> laughing with my at the TV. wigs. Look, I put uh, this on my computer when I travel to go see Dune, right? Yeah. And I, I see Chicago immediately off the bat. I know that's Lower <laughs> Wacker Drive. <laughs> Yep, I turned this off and said I got to watch it at home. So, Zach, embrace me for my 9 p.m. screening today (laughs) for Tyler Perry's new Mia Culpa. Oh,
1: man. Uh, So, you see, it's called Mia Culpa because she's a lawyer, but also her name's Mia and she's feeling pretty guilty. Uh, This is a sort of like classic kind of like exploitative, sexually explicit uh, you know, a tantalizing erotic thriller. thriller, erotic thriller. There okay. we go. That's the the best word for it. Um, you know, kind of in the mold uh, of uh, a basic instinct, or maybe obsessed with Beyonce and Ed from a few years back. Um, and it, it's also got the the Tyler Perry treatment to it. So that means that every character. Speaks like very eloquently about their issues and in ways that make sure to get all the exposition out clearly so everyone knows who that character is and who's worth uh rooting for and who's oh, yeah. like <laughs> the evil person that we have to root against. I mean, everybody is just so like just everybody states all their problems very, very clearly within the first five minutes of this movie. It's just so like sloppily written and boring. And I don't know, man. I mean, I think that this is a movie that there will be people for whom this appeals to, where they won't care about the ways in which this is just the absolute laziest version of the story, right? Mm-hmm. Like they ho- totally hand wave away complete conflicts of interest and r- explicit red flags and all these other things that are just don't make any sense in favor of giving you Kelly Rowland and Trevante Rhodes kind of like glistening in sweat naked Trevante? around each other's butt. Man, they got my man from Moonlight in this movie. I don't know. I was actually going to ask you about this when I thought you had seen the movie. But like, do you think this is a good move for a dude like Trevante who is like an excellent, excellent actor? It, it's a popular movie. It's like high on the Netflix charts. But it is so bad. Um, I don't know, man. It like, look, attractive people. Oh, I don't know. What do you, what yeah, do you want? This, this stuff works for Netflix. I'm this probably, I'm a, probably not as bad as, dude, got uh, number one. what was the Poland, Polish movie?
0: 365 days, whatever it's called. Oh, it's a classic, bro.
1: <laughs> yeah. Not as bad
0: as like that train wreck that's happening over there. But yeah, I, look, I know Tyler Perry very well. I got, like, glimpses of this movie. I don't know if you ever got to see Acrimony. For those who have, that not. is a video. Dude, that's a video that, to this day, 2017, this thing's or 18, I get comments every day from people mad on who should have been right in this movie. He makes those types of movies, right, where yeah. you're going to have complete opposite reactions of whoever it is, uh, whether it's someone's rooting for the guy or someone's rooting for the girl. And you get nothing but, like, comments from, from the opposite sides. I think that for the question you were asking about what's his name jumping over to Tyler Perry, it's because he's that massive. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize Tyler Perry and Oprah um, are synonymous now. Basically. I thought like, you know, we have that Oprah level, but Tyler Perry is there. The man held royalty. The man has his own studio. The man has all this. The man's got a lot of controversy, bro. I don't know if you've heard about that Boondocks episode. I don't know if you heard about that actor who was talking a lot of stuff i am giving mm-hmm. my praise to Tyler Perry, but I think Tyler Perry also has got a lot of uh, skeletons in the closet, we'll say. There's a joke in American <laughs> fiction that's really funny mm-hmm. where they say they confuse them for Tyler Perry yeah, at the gay club. That script is on another level. But, Zach, right. I present you this news if you didn't hear about it. He had an expansion to his, um, I think, the studio in Atlanta specifically, yes. unless he was going to build another one. And he's like, nah, 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 nah. I don't need another location. I can type in with this new AI.
1: Like if that there. doesn't tell you everything you need to know about Tyler Perry at a point when creatives are cr- across different fields are, are fighting against AI, that he's like, no, 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 man, this is this is my next ticket.
0: Bro, this man's a monopoly, man. He don't care.
1: Yeah. He don't, uh, look, yeah, I mean, look, anybody who's building their empire that large is going to have those kinds of tendencies to it, too. It's like yeah. people didn't expect it out of Oprah, and then the whole Color Purple press tour happens. It's like, oh, I'm shocked, shocked that a billionaire would act selfishly.
0: Yeah. Where's his Color Purple, though, you know? Like, <laughs> what, Gone Girl, his Rolling Gone Girl, I feel is like the biggest project that he's been able to bring to the forefront. Other yeah. than that, he knows... He knows the type of movies that people are going to eat up in that sense. So, hey, if you're a fan of it, shout out LaShawn who said that. Uh, they watched my l for it. Yeah, that, stop, bro. What are you doing?
1: It's been on my set. I don't know. It's, it's be, the best excuse I have to pre- grab it.
0: No, you're going to explain <laughs> why you have a Medea Christmas. Why don't
1: you have a Medea Christmas uh, cutout?
0: If I pulled up with the Halloween one right now, I have <laughs> <laughs> a, a Madea blue Halloween. <laughs> I'm not even going to question that. But if you have a second one, I will take it. Uh, so Mia Kupala, out on Netflix. Not recommend, I guess. No, no. I Hard am pass. excited to cover this. I will be doing it. me soon. I'm ecstatic. Uh, let's talk about some real movies then instead. We did have two reissues that finally happened. And while we are going to be going deeper into one of them, which is obviously Dune, um, we will have a review for that. And then we're going to have a spoiler talk for that. And then like, I'm excited for our Denny bracket. If we do get the time to do that, we have a lot of Dune coming in here. Um, but it was Dune part two, uh, that had a fan event that was happening in theaters this Sunday. Which we had mentioned all leading up to it. So hopefully y'all got your tickets to see it. Um, And then there was obviously the Tenant reissue that they were doing, uh, which I was very excited for because I never got to see Tenant. Here is Dune Part 2. And then I never got to see Tenet when it came out in theaters.
1: Yeah, on the big screen.
0: On the big screen. And honestly, I I, I think that's when my life paused, bro. I think it was not being able to go see Tenet at IMAX. And they Mm -hmm. took the IMAX away from me here. And it just felt like four years of my life have been paused mm-hmm. since the pandemic. Has and I feel like the pandemic is now over, Zach. I can officially on this podcast say that now that Tenet has been reissued in IMAX, we have been fixed as a world.
1: Maybe we can move backwards through time to make up for that time loss, too.
0: You were right. The chicken line is great. It's amazing. Thank you. That, that, here, my, the, the this thing. man was spitting, bro.
1: Everything works in this movie. I ordered my hot sauce an hour ago. Oh, uh, an hour ago. Um, the thing that's been giving me life over the weekend is just seeing all the Everybody. people reevaluating their tenant takes from uh, 2020. And, and just being like, I don't know what I was feeling back then. I, mean, I Look, I get it. We were all going through a
0: lot in yeah, 2020. Yeah, for sure. But um, if you had the chance to see it in IMAX and you came mm-hmm. out with, I don't understand the dialogue. How'd the dialogue get better? Your ears get better since then? What happened? <laughs> now, don't get it twisted. I have my 4K. I prep, bro, like homework. We watched it with subtitles on, so we knew what the heck, just in case. I don't think it's that bad. I think it adds a lot. Zach, you have your tickets? I got my tickets tomorrow night. Bro. AMC Lincoln Square? Uh, You know it, of course. 70mm IMAX, right? 143. It is everything I wanted it to be. Ladies and gentlemen, and moviegoers all out there, if you can see Tenet, in 70 millimeter IMAX, just like we've been talking about since Oppenheimer in those specific theaters, it is worth it, man. I have that 4K at home and it's beautiful. But that 70 millimeter grain was fantastic, dude. The mm-hmm. colors just pop differently. Mm-hmm. And the size, I mean, that's where he walks into that kitchen, bro. Why does it feel different? There's an extra echo to the dialogue mix mm-hmm. and the length of him, bro. 143 to Becky. <laughs> she's she, so tall. She she's the than all only the one who's tall enough for that ratio. <laughs> Dude, it is some sweeping shots. You are gonna yeah. love it. You you know that meme they've been spreading, of like the the gamer who goes like this. Oh, leans to, forward a, in his chair. Yeah, he like leans. For, that's me the whole movie. Yeah, that, every that's time me it cuts forward, I I had to. Whenever
1: the the part of the score like Reigns of Talon" or whatever it is comes on, that that's mm. me. I'm leaning forward all the way. I mean. Look, I, Tenant, I think, didn't get its fair shake because, no. you know, it, it's a movie that's really designed for that movie theater experience. And you, you people talk about how it's hard to hear the dialogue. I know you said it's not as bad as people make it out to be. But um, I also I saw a hard on that. I find it interesting uh, that we are now getting this press cycle from Denis Villeneuve, who is talking about how he hates dialogue. Uh, it's not as important to him <laughs> as the image in the movie. <laughs> okay. And I think that you know, I think he's kind of working in the Christopher Nolan mold in that, like, ultimately, the things that matter in these types of movies are what you're seeing, what you're hearing. The the you know, there's a reason why when Soderbergh did that recut of Temple of Doom where he turned it into black and white and just used the Social Network score and none of the dialogue, that it still works because like, I gotta watch that. If, if a movie is like perfectly constructed on a visual level that yeah. that's all you need as an audience. Like, mm-hmm. I've always felt it. that the elements of the Crystal mm-hmm. Nolan movies that I can't hear, they don't matter to me because I get sort of the mood of what's happening, right? Like, if I c- don't understand what Bane is saying under that mask, I know he's still threatening people. Yeah. If, if I if I don't hear Tom Hardy in Dunkirk, I know he's just giving orders or whatever. But it, it's it's like you're you're um, so immersed in the greater picture of it all that, like, it ultimately doesn't matter if you know every single word spoken in the movie. And I think mm-hmm. Tenet is the perfect example of that. Like, you do not need to know everything that they say. You don't need to understand every plot mechanism or maneuver or scheme that they get into. You just kind of got to sit back and feel the movie.
0: Or, I, sit, or lean 100%. forward. Exactly. It is. It's just a beautiful ride to go on. And I think it's definitely worth experiencing it in IMAX. It was definitely top tier. Um, I think I get it. Kind of. Yeah. And it's clean, too. You're right. Turn off your brain. Enjoy it. But the fact that there's something there in the special features, he says, you get to sit back because we did all the work for you, Mm -hmm. bro. Like you start piecing at it. It's so much fun to be a detective with the movie, too. Yeah. Damn, is it so much fun. I love Robert Pattinson's character. I love what they're doing with the bad guy in this movie. This idea of, of the cause and effect, and the the, the the cause has already happened, so or the effect has already happened, so you have to create the cause. It's some weird stuff that he's talking about, and mm-hmm. then uh, I, I remember when we were covering Oppenheimer, we had brought up how uh, Oppenheimer was mentioned Yeah, in this movie. Which, by the way, she says Oppenheimer, so when I messed it up in my video, just so y'all know, he did too in that one, okay? So... There you go. But just the fact that it's this inverse of yeah. Oppenheimer, this idea of them being scared with what's going to happen to the bomb, and then here he's like fixing that future that Oppenheimer ends on. It's, it's genius, dude. Like yeah. he made the prequel before the other movie. There, so I'm, awesome. I'm, I'm excited to rewatch it again if I could. I am so jealous that you get to see it again tomorrow. Hopefully, you get a poster. Um, they were giving out uh, film reels on the first day. Mm. Sneak into the back, see if they got an extra one. Take it from the <laughs> seventy millimeter if you get it. looked really nice um big thumbs up i am so happy i finally got to see it it's four years in the making and it was everything i wanted and more and i love the movie even more uh because of it uh yeah i we're gonna talk about it again next week because you're gonna have a bunch of other things to say i'll remember everything from the experience as well but if you get the chance go see it in 70 millimeter imax i think not only does it make a difference but it proves exactly what nolan was going for and why he did it dude it's interstellar it's Inception, mm-hmm. and the man remained Memento Man. Like, <laughs> like he was just firing in all cylinders here. It's his greatest hits? Kind of. Yeah. Kind of. Big thumbs up. Must watch for me. But, without really getting into the review for Dune, because we know it's, Dune's good, right? Yeah, Dune's really good. Dune, it's good. So, y'all know that already. Yeah. How was your experience?
1: Uh, I mean, you know... It, it's cool to be in a packed movie theater full of people that are really excited for a thing. So so there's that and there's nothing quite like the the gigantic IMAX screen to sort of like awe you when you know the need designs these images to be experienced that way. I mean it, it's it's a powerful movie and it's overpowering even if presented in the right way. So I'm glad I saw it in the right way.
0: What would you say?
1: Uh, no, I, I so it was actually speaking of uh, the Lincoln Square uh, IMAX. That one was sold out, so I saw it in another theater around here, but it was still presented well.
0: So I guess they were doing it on digital. So I may have seen the same version as you. So you saw one nine. No, I saw. I think I only twelve theaters doing one four three. Oh, so maybe I saw one nine then. I traveled for one four three. and saw yeah. one nine. So I am still awaiting our Austin trip at the Austin IMAX theater to go see it in that one, four, three, uh, cause I guess yesterday it was all digital. So because of it being digital, only certain theaters had it in that ratio. So I've yet to see it in that full thing, but even with that, just your first thoughts because off that IMAX score, I still had the IMAX sound, right? There is this bagpipe score that Hans Zimmer cooked for a middle section of the movie
1: I mean, it's just so, like, uh, it's so, like, overstimulating, even. Like, there's certain moments, particularly when, we're, when you get to, like, uh, the, the sandworm moments where the score is just rumbling and the visuals are, are, are just, like, queuing you up and, and building in anticipation. And I don't know. It, I, I found it to be a really, really powerful experience.
0: Uh, I'm excited to talk about more of the story, more of everything else. But this is, again, just like we told you about this fan screening starting Friday. Most theaters are going to be playing this in your Dolby, in all of your different formats. Uh, just like I made a, a video with Oppenheimer, I'm going to try to make something for Dune and all of its different breakdowns. Because it was interesting, um, I've been like reading threads and stuff, and it turns out a lot of people saw my Oppenheimer video and were going to the museum that I had recommended, and I, yeah. I found that like fascinating. And then I was over there, and some people were talking about it in line. we were waiting for concessions. Bro, they don't know me because <laughs> it's just my voice. So it's just right. fascinating to be like, oh, yeah. He's like, yeah, I heard about this from a video and I heard was really good. I was like, that's that's dope, bro. That's really awesome. So <laughs> I love just being the ghost and just having, you, you gotta know,
1: like um, change your voice a little bit so that people don't recognize it.
0: Bro, I was like, what's his name? Paul. <laughs> when he gives that speech, I did not know Timmy had it in him, dude. Mm-hmm. He gets really deep when he delivers that speech. And in those IMAX sounds, it is fantastic. So we're going we're gonna to save all that for the review. But yeah. I highly recommend checking out the IMAX website. I'm going to be posting some other stuff in terms of where you can see it properly. Because as I told you, uh, the screen that I saw, a lot of people thought they saw it in 143. They did not. It it was crap for them. And it's this idea like maybe you don't know the ins and outs of what you're getting. But I hope that people, if they're making the trip or getting a ticket or seeing it in the format that they should be. Because that's like ordering a double bur- a burger. And then only getting a single. They're, they're right. jipping you. It's the same thing. It's still the product, but you paid for something. Right. And um, it was interesting to see that. Not a lot of people knew the difference in it, but uh, there is a difference between 2K and 4K. And I'm excited to watch it with you when we get to Austin. And yeah. just make sure that Can't you wait. call out to the theater so that you get it in that full aspect ratio. It's a difference. Same thing with Tenet. What a week, dude. Back-to-back movies uh, when it comes to IMAX to wrap up our theaters and streaming And yet there was still a lot at home. In terms of Netflix, we had the biggest release, which was their Avatar The Last Airbender remake. I saw two episodes. I'm going to finish wrapping it uh, for an LME. I haven't seen the series. Have you?
1: No, I haven't seen the original series. I've seen maybe like some clips floating around, but I've never really sat down with it.
0: This ain't helping
1: yeah doesn't really motivate you to to want to check it out or maybe it should because people talk so highly about oh, the one. avatar the last airbender and i'm not seeing it from the netflix show um no. yeah i mean i don't know it, it's not like an outright disaster and i'll say that after true, i've true, only true, true. S- that's good I've only seen one and a half episodes, so so but it's, it's not a, an, very... a travesty like some people are making it out to be. Those exactly. people are close
0: to the material,
1: exactly right. Like but it's, it's not good. It's like a minorly watchable thing, but it's not. It's not exciting. I can't really see like being pulled into it without knowing that there's better stuff to come, and it ju- it just sort of like. I think visually just looks really uninteresting. I think that's its sort of biggest sin, particularly when you compare it to the anime, right? Like it's just so Mm -hmm. dark and drab and colorless in a world that should be like inviting and exciting because it's particularly... Like this is a show that at least ostensibly is for kids. I I don't know if they're actually designing it to be for the same uh, demographic as the original show, but it's not... I, I don't know. It's not really working for me. And I do also... Wonder, without trying to be mean to a bunch of little kids, if it's just (laughs) kind of harder to ask a bunch of, like, inexperienced actors to carry a story like this, rather than rely on, like, reliable
0: voice acting. But Euphoria also had older characters playing younger. How... You kind of get into that mode where, like, kids' faces change very drastically. I don't know if you can have someone older doing it, but I agree with you. I'm watching these kids and I'm like, I, I like. what else can you do if not have children? But yeah. the children work so much better, like you're saying, voice acting-wise, <clears throat> in animation. Yeah, my first thoughts are very similar to yours. I saw one, the One Piece one, not having seen the anime. It made me want to watch the anime. Right. Uh, eh. As long as it's not as bad as the M. Night one, uh, I... Hopefully one day you guys will get one But I heard that they're actually making a movie that's continuing the series for the cartoon. So, hey, at least you have something good in the horizon. If this is what right. pays for that, so be it, as it's written. Uh, keeping on with the first reviews, you're a big soccer guy. Have you seen – I you didn't see any of Messi's World Cup. Tell me what this MLS pass is, bro.
1: <laughs> so, yeah, we talked about this before, but Apple is, did a really interesting deal where they now have the rights to all – MLS games and it's not like other uh it's not like other providers where there's like local blackouts. You know, you can't watch the game on ESPN, you have to watch it on your local sports I station. Was, that was
0: literally the one question I was going to ask you because you know I'm yeah. big on that. That's crazy.
1: Yeah. Uh Apple got rights in a way which Completely uh, go, you know, skips over all that. You can watch anything from anywhere around the globe if you're interested in seeing MLS, uh, interesting MLS soccer, which a lot more people have been since the addition of
0: uh, Messi to Inter Miami. Yeah, easily. Uh I think they owe me twenty bucks because I think you get a deal if you're a subscriber. And they did not. So I've been on emails all week oh, like, a, like a middle aged man over here. But Messi's World Cup was the series that they brought alongside with it. So it's like you, mm-hmm. you have like a documentary. They got the, the the MLS pass. They're cooking, dude. They're going they're putting it all in. It's pretty impressive. And this is pretty much a recap of the World Cup. So you're seeing it beat by beat, you're getting some of his insights. I wish it was a little bit more from the competitors. (laughs) I think that's the only thing it's missing, but it's a a pretty decent um, by-the-numbers recap of everything that happened uh, per episode as they were doing the matches. So uh, if you're interested in that, that's cool. I always like, you know, when they win the World Series and they're like, you want the DVD? Right. This is that. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty interesting because
1: since... Apple has spent all this money on this MLS deal. And now that Messi is here, they are going all in on trying to market Messi. And obviously, you know, he's perhaps the greatest soccer player of all time. So why wouldn't you want to market him? And uh, subscriptions have gone up a lot since his arrival to the league. Uh, It's just also interesting in like the balance that they choose between how much they market Messi and how much they market everything else. There's a, apparently a forthcoming, uh, MLS series in the style of the Netflix F1 show Drive to Survive, but apparently like as much as half of that show is gonna focus on Messi, which I know some Jeez. people are not so so excited about. So I don't know, we'll see. Uh but you it's know like it, It's like tailored to the NFL. Right. That's right. Messi it's that, Exactly. Like he's this gigantic, you know, galactic I mean, st- figure. And have you seen him? It, the, just everything in his or everything sort of orbits around him. Yeah, I, I got to see him when he came to uh came to New Jersey most recently. I've actually seen him a couple times because I've, I've Ooh, seen... Uh, okay. Yeah, I what I, I went to a uh UEFA Champions League final back in his Barcelona glory days. Uh and I was a little guy. I mean he's he's transcendent you know it's <laughs> he's the greatest soccer player I've ever seen in person.
0: When he came here, right, he wasn't even playing. The man was on the injured like he was on the DL. Yeah. Pink everywhere on the streets mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like you're not seeing pink jerseys like this anywhere else and they're just like any, any town that he's in is just going to be flooded with pink wherever you yeah. go and it's fantastic it's incredible so yeah. uh, hey i hope to see him one day but i got to see messi's world cup the rise of a legend there we go <laughs> out on Something. apple tv plus and it's decent it's decent uh another first thoughts over here for a show we got to see a couple of episodes on that interested me because of the voice cast and it's out mm-hmm. on prime it's called the second best hospital in the galaxy And that's a voice actress right there. Um, It's cute. What'd you think? Yeah. You know,
1: there's some elements of it that I find pretty interesting. It's a pretty fully realized world in terms of this, like, it's a galactic hospital with a bunch of alien uh, figures occupying it, but it's also like a little bit low rent. As as they mentioned, it's the second best hospital in the galaxy. So they're doing um, some things not exactly like above board. Um, I think I think there's elements of it that really impress me. It's interesting that you mention being enticed by the voice cast. I think I was as well, and I'm not convinced that they're like the best fit for it. Because uh, it's it, Yeah, it's another one of these shows where there's a lot of celebrities involved. You have Kiki Palmer, Stephanie Shu, Kieran Culkin, Natasha Lyonne, and they all just kind of sound like themselves uh Maya Maya Rudolph is there she's probably doing the most voice acting of the main cast but yeah it's just sort of like it feel it never really feels like they're disappearing into characters or making choices it kind of feels like they're just being given lines to read um and at at least from the onset that's the thing that's sort of keeping me from fully embracing the show but there's like a weirdness there that I enjoy, and I, I might give it a couple more episodes to see if it pulls me in.
0: Yeah, it's it's like Tuca and Birdie, Matt, yes. Um, what's in Faces? Rick and Morty, and they just try to make this amalgamation of stuff. It's interesting at times. And other mm-hmm. times they do a they do a lot, but eh. definitely interesting show. We'll see if it gets picked up for some other stuff. But that's playing on Prime. You can check that out over there. Uh, and then the last thing also on Prime is Jenny Slate's new stand up special, which was better than her last stand up special. And it's funny to me when a comedian makes fun of their last set of special (laughs) because they were very serious and direct and were like, you need to listen to me here. And then they do the next one going, I don't know what I was doing there. I'm just thinking, (laughs) what are you going to do in your third one that you're going to apologize for how cringy you were in this one? So Jenny Slate, (laughs) seasoned professional, out on Prime, but it was decent enough. Um, what I really want to talk about is the new segment because we have a couple of other award shows on our road to the Oscars that have hit. I think the BAFTAs also happened. I don't have any info on that. So if you do or if someone has some stuff on the BAFTAs, definitely let us know. I need to catch up on that. The PGAs happened. Yeah. So there's been a lot of good ones. But the ones that I was uh, was able to see because they actually you know streamed them was Netflix's pickup for the live event of the 30th Annual Screen Actors Guild Awards. And then the Indie Spirit Awards, which Uh, They streamed on YouTube, if I'm not mistaken. Um, That both were pretty decent. Yeah. Let's start with SAG first because Indie went crazy at the end. Uh, The 30th annual SAG Awards. Netflix, great job. Good job.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's so funny the way that just like being on a streamer that doesn't need you to cut to commercial breaks alleviates so many of the issues that we have with other award shows. Like, they let the speeches go on. Jeremy yeah. Allen White literally got surprised. He was, like, startled that they weren't trying <laughs> to funny. play him off the, off the stage. Um, they also... One thing that I loved, which, you know, the Oscars have been pushing away from this, they started with a big clip montage that showed all the nominees. Is it so much to ask for to see clips of the nominated movies? The movies? Um, The moving images? (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, I think Netflix is honestly, like, really, really lucky, or maybe just very, very smart, we should say, with their choice to go after the Sags, because... It's just nonstop speeches from extremely well-liked celebrities. They have this very like congenial atmosphere where everybody's like really happy to see other people and they're uh, you know sh- sharing their adoration for other people. I, I think it's just a-, a very smart pickup on their behalf. Um, I'm curious if there are aspects of the show that you liked better or you liked worse. I, I know one thing that not didn't work necessarily for everybody was I felt like instead of commercial breaks, they had 10 France interview, uh, uh queer guy <laughs> interludes. Yeah. The queer eye guy. And like, you know, they're trying to do it in the style of those backstage interviews that sometimes that go you viral on online. YouTube. Yeah. But yeah. It's, it's better to like opt into those and find the best moments than when you force them on during a live broadcast. I don't know if it, it, uh, works for uh, the flow of the show.
0: I agree with you because he was also doing the pre-show and I was catching that on YouTube and then they went directly there, which if you catch his thing, or I think it was the girl's thing with the Mm pre-show with Kieran Culkin. Watch it. I missed that one. Yeah. Watch it. I'm going to find the clip. I'll send it to you. Uh, Yeah. I I assumed like there's still a pause, not just for commercial breaks, but for the show itself. So what was going to fill that in? That did. Uh, And it did feel a little awkward because then they're like all piling up in the back And you got like multiple people talking over their speeches there while some stuff is still happening. I also thought the censoring was kind of funny. The actors didn't have to censor themselves because Netflix doesn't need it. But the SAG ceremony censored clips. That's Mm -hmm. funny. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Like, you're all adults there drinking alcohol. Like, just, right. just leave it. Um, out of the speeches, uh, I thought they were able to give some good ones. I like seeing a variation of stuff so that you have, like, someone giving a speech at, you know, another award. But, like, the SAG one, because they're talking to their fellow peers, I thought they were giving some good stuff. I thought Stephen Young's speech was fantastic when mm-hmm. he was talking about how, um, one, he had a funny one that he him getting a sad card for that peanut butter commercial or the Milky Way commercial was just as good <laughs> as getting this award. But I think it was him and I.O. who were bringing up the fact that, like, this is the honor bestowed by your peers. Yeah. Not critics, not people that, you know, producers, people that want to fluff you up. You're, like, competitors. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes these awards so special. And I thought it was really cool the way that they're able to integrate the show in terms of how they all, you know, unionize in this place after going on all the strikes that they did last year. So I, I thought it was a pretty good ceremony. I don't know if anybody else stood out to you. Did you like
1: the Lisa and Walter mic'd up segment? Which one was that? Uh, Where they had... Uh, the teacher from Abbott Elementary, like would up, and they were showing her like behind the scenes, just talking to people on the red carpet and stuff like that. It was sort of this interesting, like they did it in the style of those NBA mic'd up clips where you you get clips from uh, NBA mm-hmm. players during the game, but it was just all of her on the red carpet schmoozing with other actors, saying hi to Robert Downey Jr. and stuff like that. I mean, I thought it was it was kind of cool because. I'm always, as a as a celebrity interested person, I'm always watching these shows and seeing like two actors talking at a table and just wondering yeah. like, well, what are they talking about? And it was a nice little insight into that. I just think the, the clip wasn't edited well and they included mm. way too many similar moments. Like we don't need to see her saying hi to 16 different people.
0: That's what happens when you get the actors, but not the editors. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Pedro being drunk was funny. Yeah, uh, they, they were pretty good. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much it. I guess the the modern family people coming yeah. out was well, they were doing a bunch of reunions.
1: Yeah, it, it was similar to the Emmys in that they they were focusing on reuniting casts True, for a yeah, lot of they the presentations. Like Frodo in them. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And they had, a, I think it started all off with a Devil Wears Prada reunion as well.
0: Would she pretend? Yeah, like she pretended to be drunk.
1: Yeah. <laughs> oh uh was the hannah einbender no that was at the indie spirit that was the Never indie mind. when she ran okay. out. <laughs> yeah.
0: so let's jump into that it was pretty good sure. you got everyone who was going to win kind of pretty much got the awards jeremy allen the bear all that oh, good stuff let me ask yeah, you one more thing about a uh, mm-hmm.
1: screen actors guild uh the the way that idris elba was sort of like the
0: host but not really the host did no. it work for you no. did it not work for you no that's why you're asking the question yeah, <laughs> no, it was weird. Like it wasn't yeah. the worst, but it's like you're—he's a really cool guy—and mm-hmm. they're setting him up to be awkward, and there's nothing he could do. It was a little weird. Um, they, they need to tighten up those stuff, even the beginning, the baton passing. This is how I got my sad card. Where are the directors, bro? Are these <laughs> actors directing yeah, actors? Because need... some of y'all claim you're directors. <laughs> What's going on here? We need Spielberg to
1: come in and do the blocking because it, it could on, use ooh, some uh, some improvements.
0: The Spirit Awards, though, were held in a tent. Yes. Would on you the like beach. to explain why? They have like the staff of a thousand men, but they're in a tent
1: i think they've always kind of been like on the beach that's sort of the the vibe the indie spirits have gone for it's like it's the fun award show we're on in the middle of the day you for know
0: studio big studio award films that we yeah. get to the point that we have a caesar Ca- or the cassavetes award yeah. to be the actual only indie award
1: right and we that's still the...
0: like the indie awards we still like them
1: but yeah I, they're, they're a fun vibe i wish they were maybe they a little more indie than
0: than they are right now but they're they're cool just saying they're, they're cool for what it is if you've seen this show you already knew all the indie-nominated... Yeah, you did. Thanks, bro. I'm not even... Let's just flex on it. Every single movie. They're going through the docs. I'm like... Best Winter first premier, feature, premier, 1001. Premier. Gotta Best let them know. Best feature, Past Lives. <laughs> Come on now. And even the nominees. And there were some other ones that should have been there. Best uh, will-
1: Cassavetes Award, Fremont. Which... Wait, ah, wait I thought it was gonna go. There on. was somebody else hold for on. the Cassavetes. Cassavetes Award. Uh, Fremont. <laughs> <laughs> I got that Blu-ray. Well, Story have? not up? No, it wasn't up, but we can See? we can give Story of a Show. If we were running
0: out. it, it would have been up for sure. Yeah. And if we were running it, y'all would have been able to hear everything at the second half of this award show. But before we get to that, <laughs> I saw a lot of Twitter stuff because I saw it after I came back from Dude, and yeah. people were just spewing garbage this weekend. I don't know what's going on with the internet, bro, but it's a little off. If you've been on it, they yeah. said that she was talking smack to people, and that it was like terrible. And you know what I hate more than anything is that that was the connotation. You read it back, and you go, "Oh, you slick." You made us jump to that point, knowing good and damn well that wasn't what happened. I went to go revisit it, that she was smack-talking people.
1: You're talking about AD Bryant, who was the host of the Indie Spirit Awards. Shrill,
0: right? Shrill? That's your show? Yes, yes. That's what I know her from the most. SNL. I felt... She's like the funniest, gets-along-with-everybody type of person. This felt really weird. Yeah, they spread this out. I was in my Dune screen going, there's no way. She disses Natalie Portman from
1: the stage of the Indie Spirit Awards.
0: Nat laughed so hard at that joke because it turned out they're (laughs) all friends. What is with this clickbait engagement? Man, they said the same thing about the SNL thing with the Shane Gillis guy because there's so much controversy. They had fired Mm -hmm. him. Now he's coming back. Nobody laughed at his... Yeah, they did. I saw that too. Hey, you got to see it with your own eyes. You hear it with your own ears. Uh, She did a fantastic job, though. She yeah. was great. We always love the Indie Spirit Awards because, like you said, it's a vibe. They're just chilling there with people. They're not mm. scared to to make this joke over there. And the fan, or I would say the crowd interaction. The Mel- Melton? He's a G, <laughs> dude. He's so game for all of it. I yeah, love he was great.
1: Uh, Char- um, the Charles Mel- Melton bit was great. I liked the Film Festival audience questions bit, too.
0: Yeah, that was uh, Will Ferrell, just Williams. Will Ferrell at the thing. Did you yeah. see uh, Sarandos in the back laughing <laughs> <No>. <laughs> when he pulled out the pad? Go rewatch it for uh, Ted Sarandos at, and I think it's Ted Sarandos, unless I got him and the other guy mixed up because I know there's two of them.
1: Reed Hastings, the, maybe?
0: Yeah. The Netflix guy who's always at the award shows Probably is the ten. guy who laughs the hardest at everything. And that's why they green light every, everything at Netflix because he's got a sense of humor. Yeah. um the second, I thought they gave some pretty good awards. I was very surprised by the American fiction duo win because I love that movie a lot. So when it got, I think screenwriting and, Mm -hmm. um, best actor hearing them talk is when you really get that. Oh crap. This other person has been winning all these awards. That's the one speech you, I wish I was hearing you talk this whole this whole run. Yeah. They gave such a power couple type of like response to it. Um, What's the, uh, uh, the director's name I'm on right now? Dude, when he said this, like, this means a lot. Like I was getting like wavy, but this is the energy that you're giving to me. Mm-hmm. Dude, I was feeling that. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Jeffrey Wright won. Oh, His yeah. His speech was, you know, you get tired of these things until you win one. And then it's like, okay, bro. There was so much energy in that win. I'm hoping the Oscars does a really good split on all categories. I kind of want to hear an American fiction speech. Yeah, I mean, interestingly, American fiction has
1: been picking up some steam in that adapted screenplay race. Um, I would not be surprised if it ended up winning at this point. I'm not sure with? if I would predict for adapted screenplay particularly. Over. Uh over it'd be that that's the thing. It's a tough category because that's the Oppenheimer category. Barbie's in there now. Um it, it's got some stiff competition. Is that the one with anatomy? I th- want to say anatomy is an original. Okay. Want um,
0: I'm going to shift to that and say, I'm scared for anatomy. I am officially on watch on all categories directing, screenwriting, and best picture. Scared, I scared. of anatomy or scared
1: for anatomy? <sighs> scared of, I believe.
0: No, scared for. I like the movie. Yeah. I love Justin oh, Trudeau. Okay, she okay, is okay, fantastic. Okay. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. If she you, wins that movie. You don't award, want
1: it to turn into the like. Everything Everywhere All At Once is so overrated of this year.
0: Every winner, it happens yeah, to. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's the matches in particular, you know? Yeah. Like, to win the writing one, people are going to, like, all of a sudden read the screenplays to their winners, to their favorites, and, and, and complain that she took it. They're going to nitpick her, 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 her script to death. I would love her to win, director. Who tells their country to go F off because they didn't choose her and then pulls up at the Oscars with that selection, which is still great, Taste of Things, please watch it, not getting it. And her coming up with, what was it, eight, six? If she beats Christopher Nolan for directing, Five. I think that would be awesome. But it's Christopher Nolan's year, and I would hate the Nolan boys to get on her. Maybe even yeah. me. But I love her, bro. <laughs> she is awesome. Yeah, well, And I mean, I'm seeing be... those wins here, and I think the shakeup might happen, dude. Yeah, I mean, look, there's... There's a real
1: scenario where Oscar voters essentially decide to spread the love and screenplay goes to two movies that don't really have much of a shot in other categories. If that's American fiction and Anatomy of a Fall, that could be interesting. But, like, I, does it ultimately matter if Oppenheimer still, like, wins the big prize? Or do you think the the, the fanboys yes. are going to fanboy?
0: Yes, bro. It's a little bit. It's the boy.
1: Yeah. You can win, but did he get MVP?
0: Yeah. It's Nolan's year, dude. It's it's his kind of crowning moment, and I feel it like a, he's been waiting for it. I, it's the director for him. I yeah, honestly, and I've said this to you. I'd rather him get director and killers get the other one. Like I'm actually, that's my go-to award for Oppenheimer. Yeah, is that is directing? So, I right. I'm banking for a tie. Uh, it's been a while since we've seen a tie at the Oscars, and I always think that those are the best because I love the gas that happens when a tie uh, occurs, and it would be really cool to just really showcase. Cool that they're, you know, awarding things to the level that they're like, these two are too great and there was nothing we could do about it. Share the gold. It's mean girls here. Let's do it. Um, (laughs) Anything else to add for the SAG, the Indie Spirit Awards, any other award shows that are on the horizon?
1: I mean, mostly just that, like, it feels like we've been getting really solid award shows this cycle. I thought the Emmys were good. I don't know if we spent that much time on them. These last two were pretty good. And I'm just worried that we're like... Setting ourselves up for disappointment with the Oscars. <laughs>
0: hey, I hope it's a fill. You know, they did they do a bad job last year. They're getting better. They're learning all their lessons. We'll see. Is Jimmy Kimmel still yep. no?
1: It is Jimmy Kimmel.
0: Okay. I, I thought the
1: the um, teaser that they put out of him and Barbie World was actually pretty solid, and like could have been the opening of a Billy Crystal Oscars.
0: I just listened to his dude interview with the cast. It was also really good. <laughs> He's Jimmy here on good late night talk show. No, ghost. we know. That yeah, it was. Yeah. Just maybe Let's not the best for the Oscars. we got you. Yeah. We got you. Come on, yeah. you could do it. We got uh, no do We want to so. do
1: before we we move on uh, this more recent bit of news. I don't know if you've even seen it about Beef Season Two.
0: Barely, bro. I got the notification when I was driving. Tell me. Uh, anthology, so right?
1: apparently, yeah, they okay. are going the anthology route, which we were hoping for with season two. Have to. And uh, right now they are eyeing Charles Melton, Kaylee Spaney, Jake Gyllenhaal and Anne Hathaway for roles Jake. in season two of Beef, which allegedly would be about a pair of feuding couples with Charles Melton and Kaylee Spaney, Spaney playing one of the couples, Jake Gyllenhaal and Anne Hathaway, being uh, courted for another one of those roles. So I guess yay or nay, are you in on this pairing of, of uh, actors for a potential season two of Beef? Are you All the way. Me? Two all thumbs way. up. Yeah. Bro. This you is know? like all... I'm almost stunned they can get a cast like this. Like these people should be it's doing illegal? movies. Is there a cap?
0: <laughs> right. Thank you. Thank you. They did Melton a little dirty. Like has this Gilles is how even you give them
1: all the awards. Done a series before? I think this is his first time, unless I'm misremembering. I know we That's Hathaway did the uh, uh, WeWork show,
0: and I liked her in that one. Yeah, that yeah. One. I, dude, this looks like a juggernaut crowd right here. I'm all for it. If they keep it anthology, we were very iffy on what was going to happen with it. Um, mm-hmm. This is pretty good. Uh, was it, speaking of Stephen Yeun, did y'all hear about Beef Season 2 castings? Yeah. That, that's oh, that's a firehouse, bro. Yeah. Hey, we need something good from Jake Gyllenhaal because you know that South by movie about a... <laughs>
1: <laughs> I got some faith. Let's, bro, the let's... Fall Guy trailer
0: played at the Ibex? I'm saying this with all due respect, bro. I'm saying this with all due respect. The guy in the disability seat put his hands up in the air and rolled away, bro. I kid you not. I can only speak facts. I'm just telling you what he did. I could not believe it. He went like that. And he went, this is... And he went to go get a concession. I could not believe it. He sat through three trailers and the Fall Guy trailer did that to him. Oh, I was like, no. no way. And that's the movie I'm rooting for itself.
1: Yeah, man. I th- I'm I have more hopes about, for Roadhouse than I do Fall Guy, about, gotta be honest. my
0: white flag, bro. Oh... It's gonna be a fun South by, but yeah. It's time for the best part of the show. Yeah. Let's thank the patrons. Woo. <laughs>
1: uh, shout out to our wonderful patrons who are supporting the show. They are at the academy level to Shar, Cademan, Connor, Josh, May, Ricky, Joe, Wiley, and Benji and of course the producer level patrons are Unvir and, and Toon. Shout out to all of you and thanks for your continued support of the show. Uh if you want to also support our show, you can head over to patreon.com slash intercut pod, which is a pretty cool place to keep up with the latest on the podcast. You can uh join up for free and Ooh. you know find out find out the latest about our recordings, including our weekly schedules and stuff like that. Or you can sign up for a membership to receive exclusive benefits like early access to certain intercut episodes, including our no country for old men versus Fargo discussion, which is live for patrons right now and won't be on the channel until later this week. You can also get our live stream of the Coen brothers bracket that we're doing later. You can also get access to our monthly patron Google meetings, which uh, I think we're doing today. Hopefully we can fit
0: everything in. Uh, but it's it's there's lots of benefits to this is all for 1999, right? Yeah. Oh, man. Part, That's the best nine, part. Nine, no, it's got to be 99.99. Like that MLS pass. That's a lot. It's it's all for the low, low price of maybe three
1: dollars or five dollars or ten dollars a month. Whatever you're feeling. But Give it's really. <laughs> we'll take kind words. Yeah. Yeah. You can can even just throw us a buck. Whatever works for you. Head over to patreon.com slash Pod. We really appreciate all the support. And, yeah, we enjoy talking to all of y'all inner cuties. So we'll be doing that again very soon. Um, But that's our patron shout-out. I think it's time to
0: get to some coming attractions. We got a pretty good week in TV and movies because it's obviously going to be March 1st. And we get... The beginning of the biggest movie that is out there, which is obviously going to be Dune Two. But I'm gonna say that to the end, actually, because I need to talk about the TV shows first. Yeah. I have up here. Make sure I put it up here. I have a series that when I went to the theater to go see Driveaway Dolls and such, they um they were showing screening events of this thing. It is an FX series called Shogun. That's supposed to be a mini series. I saw a trailer to this. Man, I immediately thought that this was uh the 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 game. Uh, on the PlayStation 5 <laughs> that they were gonna make into a movie Ghost and I'm like Tsushima, Wait, yeah bro I thought that they, they had finished it I was so excited it's not but this thing still looks sick I got a poster for this one too because uh, they were giving them out I was like I didn't see the screening but I'm ready to go this is uh, I guess an FX miniseries that's supposed to be based off of a novel that is gonna play a lot like I, I guess tsushima um but it looks stunning it looks like a real movie and the because of that they've been hosting screenings for it uh for the first couple of episodes it's gonna be playing on fx obviously hulu as well this is my show that i'm gonna be tuning into uh as we're we're over there at south by so uh hopefully i get to catch a majority of it um if not i'm gonna have to wait until we come <laughs> back i don't know if you've seen anything of this but it, it looks badass bro
1: uh, just the trailers, I know that FX, I believe, is spending more money on this show than FX has ever spent on a show.
0: You um, Okay, so it makes sense. You see it.
1: it. Yeah, you definitely see the budget here, but it it looks quite epic. And I think it's been getting some decent early buzz, too. I'm very excited to check this one out.
0: Sick. Yeah, so this one's going to start coming out uh, February 27th, and then I believe goes weekly for 10 episodes. The next one is uh, another kind of series it's a docu-series that's done by three different directors but one of them a lot of people are going to know because it's Richard Linklater this premiered at Sundance and was done in three different parts but Linklater's was like the only one that like kind of had like its own special screening I'm assuming each one is going to be uh, an hour a piece equaling a uh, or an hour and a half I think it equals three movies lengths um, and they're three separate documentaries that break down uh the prison system the oil And I'm blanking on what the third one is. Um, We didn't get to catch this at Sundance, but it was getting some pretty good reviews out of the episodic section. So I will be tuning into this over on Max. Nice. The movies, though. We got uh, a duo. I know you've been excited for this one. Mm. Cabrini from the director of the (laughs) one and only Sound of Freedom. They bag boy. Man, I was bombarded by like two trailers for this when I went to go see The the Ordinary Angels. But again, they're in this bag where... It looks okay. It looks like a competent film. It looks like a a decent poster for a movie that is real. It doesn't come off like propaganda like many of the movies come off. So I saw the trailer for this. It looks like uh, John Lithgow's in this. Apparently. It's the first time I'm hearing about it. They've got a pretty decent cast for what's supposed to be an immigrant story of like the actual person, Cabrini, who came over here and then established themselves over in America. But y'all are here for a different pilgrimage. So I don't even know why I'm wasting time over here. Y'all already know what it is. Doom Part 2 is the event to be in theaters. 143 Dolby, whatever your favorite format is, you need to go out to theaters to the for the cinematic event of the year. Now, some people have been calling this 5 out of 5, the best already. Are you jumping on that train or do you feel you need to reel the sandworm a little bit in and people should enjoy this as a fantastic blockbuster or is this um, Citizen Kane cuz <laughs>
1: I'm gonna cool myself off with some of the water of life. Uh, I, I think. I think I'm that. you? I'm not sure. I, I've been a little bit surprised, even by the like vociferous nature of the reaction. Like people are really, really Down that going, sand, bro. Down that yeah, people are ready to give it the full five star. This is the the new sci-fi epic classic. I mean, it is it is really really strong. Um, I liked it quite a bit. I, They're I like five stars.
0: Yeah, 4. I don't know. Four point nine, if I'm... more like. it. <laughs> we argue this <laughs> to be four point
1: nine. <laughs> I don't know if I'm there, and I'm also, also. I'm not even positive. I'm that I like it more than the first one yet. Hey.
0: I probably need to watch it again, hey. but I'm not positive. That is a fair assessment, dude. And I yeah. think that people may be jumping the gun. I think people can be There's right and wrong at the There's same time. Yeah, excitement. the hype y'all giving this, I don't think it's going to. Embrace the general audience. And I think it might cause more of a rift. Right. Because the love that they're spewing at it, they can't even explain it, bro. They just love it I love it. Hey, I'm with y'all. I love y'all at that screening too, but I don't know. Maybe maybe simmer down a bit. I, you know what did it for me? The Austin Butler comparisons to chicken mm. That's when I went, okay, you guys are going crazy because they're like compl- they're completely different supporting type of characters. Yeah, and that's completely when I knew we were movies. just saying Bro, like <laughs> Well, we have a, we're going to have a whole discussion for this, but yeah. Doom Part 2 is out in theaters this week, and hopefully y'all got your tickets. It is obviously a combo must-watch for me um, and would be my pick of the week just in spirit. If I had an alternative, I told Zach uh, last week, it is Doom Part 2 in Dolby, Doom Part 2 in 70mm, and Doom Part 2 in IMAX. But <laughs> I do have some different picks. This week, uh, we'll see the second week showings of Stop Motion. Yeah. Uh, one of the other movies that I got to catch on my Thursday screening of... Um, all the movies that we did for this week. And this one like got added last minute, but we had seen a trailer to it. um, And it intrigued us because it stars Aisling from, where is it? Uh, Nightingale. Yeah. She's a really good actress. Here she's playing the daughter of a director who is, like, one of the biggest stop-motion directors out there. And she's kind of, like, in this pull-tug relationship of is she as talented, is she not, could she make her own thing. And it isn't until something happens to her mother that she really starts bringing this, like, stop-motion art to life. It is creepy. It is messed up. I don't even know if it's going to be everyone's cup of tea. But, dude, I need you to see this movie because it's it's one of those that's talking about art. And how when you create it, at what point does it consume you that you create this cycle? Okay. I, like we were talking about it. We started adding some other elements to like some other characters and what they meant in the cycle. We stepped back and we're like, wait, what is the director? Is the director stop motioning the characters in this movie? From, dude, it's worth it. I think okay. there's a lot of talk in there from a script level. And then it's a decent horror movie. It's got a lot of your um, uh, grotesque uh, body horror stuff in there, as well as the stop motion being really good because the director himself did a couple of short films. And then those are the short films in the movie. So you can see the meta uh, element really pop off. Nice, um, nice. I, maybe has a Rent It, but keep it on your radar. Stop motion. Yeah, IFC Films,
1: I believe, is putting this one out. And I, I feel like oh, IFC nice. is generally associated with some quality. So, Did, Didn't I'm we curious. say...
0: For right. a sentence
1: <laughs> when i when ifc was on yes. in a violent nature we're like oh it, it's not just a shutter movie it's got that uh the
0: ifc shutter got it, yes. ifc
1: vintage all Bro, right
0: hey we're, pr- we're pretty consistent yeah. <laughs> same thing here for stop motion uh the next one that i have speaking of us going to south by it's about to be the anniversary from when we saw This movie called Problemista. Yeah. It got delayed because of the strikes, even though it was supposed to come out last summer. It is finally on the horizon. And this one, you know, really resonated with me. I know we're always saying, oh, this is so A24. It could be, it's like A24 is directing itself. Yeah, it has that element to it. But I also think it has a very unique voice from Julio Torres, who is kind of giving his biographical kind of take of coming to the country Wanting to be a creative, but having to kind of be under the management of someone who isn't even a creative, but the wife of uh, an artist who has left everything behind. And he's kind of learning under her wing. I really like this movie. It's quirky. It's all those things you would give an A24 movie. But it it made me want to check out even more of Julio's stuff. And I think he's got a real real heart in this movie. And, And that bank one, that bank bit. (laughs) When he goes to check, it's still one of the funniest scenes of last year that they had to bring it up in the credits. So you have an extra joke even through the credits. Problemista.
1: Yeah, this is one that I'm dying to give a rewatch. There's so many funny little elements. And it's also just got a really good story to it, too. Um, And I'm hoping that this isn't the only movie we get from Julio Torres because he is such a singular voice.
0: Mm Mm-hmm um coming up for the next one over here is a movie that we got to catch over at sundance and i didn't even realize that they added like a subtitle to it uh when i put it on my recommended it was just as we speak and i guess like the bob marley movie it can't be one love gotta be bob Mm -hmm. marley one love as we speak rap music on trial got the log line in there a really good movie and I promise you it's it's better than the title. It's more creative. It's a very interesting view at how the government has been using and police authorities have been using lyrics specifically for the rap genre um, against artists uh, when a lot of other you know songs don't do that. I, I think one of the most profound things that they do is they bring up uh, a whole crowd singing um, Bohemian Rhapsody, Honey, I Just Shot a Man. They're like, no one's going to jail though because mm-hmm. we know it's a part of the art. It gets really deep, fantastic editing, a big recommendation one of my favorite documentaries out of Sundance. One of the best documentaries of the year. And it's playing on Paramount+. Plus.
1: Yeah, a Those very, are my two picks. A very fascinating pick out of Sundance for sure. Uh, my three picks for the week this week include one movie that we talked about earlier, Yo Capitano. I feel like I've been seeing a lot of people think of this as like the also included in the international feature or the movie that should have been excluded so that one of your mm. favorites could have gotten in there. And I I just feel like that's kind of like a disrespectful way to approach what is like a, a really strong feature. You know, at, give it a chance. I know it's only in limited release. So a lot of people haven't had the chance to see it yet, but, y- y- you know, it's definitely not going to be uh, one of the worst movies... It, it's certainly far from the worst movies you'll see if you're trying to be an Oscars completist and see every mm-hmm. movie that's nominated this year. So oh, yeah, definitely. I'll give I'll give Pictano that shout as well. Uh, another pick that I have. Is from my recent rewatching of Coen Brothers movies. Uh, I found out that Hudsucker Proxy is available on Canopy. We always love Sick. to shout out those free library services. All you need is a library card here in the US and you can uh, watch one of the classic Coen Brothers movies. You know, there's been a lot of movies that I wanted to ca- or a, a few movies that I caught up on specifically to have seen them all before our Coen Brothers bracket. This is the one that I caught up with that I, I found myself really, really responding to. It is like a a Looney Tunes satire of corporate America uh, with amazing production design and score and performances from Tim Robbins and Paul Newman and Jennifer Jason Leigh. Uh, I really, really vibed with Unsucker <laughs> Proxy. Shout out to Connor, one of our patrons, who was saying it's one of, uh, one of the ones he liked last time. Uh, last time we had a patron hang. It's a it really, up. really good underrated one.
0: It is. Uh, I think it's like their biggest financial failure. Yeah, which is
1: yeah, crazy. That's probably the reason that it gets overlooked it has so to be, much. Though, but that was the it,
0: premise of the movie? <laughs> like,
1: it it really holds up. It has up. to
0: be. Yeah, and it holds up perfectly. It go, like it, it's it's a full circle movie in that sense. And uh, yeah, no, this one is uh, one of the special ones because uh, this was like one of my early breakdown of Coens in school. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like the the rewatch on this was interesting because. I have been rooting for another movie in the Coen's bracket that I'm like, nah, this is the underrated. Mm-hmm. <sighs> I might be putting my stock somewhere else. But the Hudsucker Proxy, good pick.
1: Yeah, Devash in the live stream is asking if this is the Raimi one. Yes, Sam Raimi co-wrote the Hudsucker Proxy. That's a whole other reason to uh, check this film out if you haven't yet. Perfect. And my last pick for the week is a movie that is in very limited release, but if you are in a uh, major city, hopefully you have a chance to check out Veselka, the movie. Uh, This will probably be available for rental not too long from now, if not. uh, But if you do have the chance to check it out, it's a really moving documentary about the iconic uh, Lower East Side New York restaurant, Ukrainian place that's got great borscht and pierogies and such. Um, and it's sort of a story that's both about family and about uh Legacy it's it's about you know the the passing on of this uh family institution from one generation to the next and also the 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 importance of caring for the family that's been left behind with the uh the escalations in the Ukrainian war uh going on I, I thought it was a really uh, fascinating blend of ideas and just like a really emotional movie too. So uh, if, if that sounds up your alley and look at the uh, restaurant life and, and Ukrainian culture, definitely hit me on the lookout for Veselka. Nice. Have you been to Veselka? Actually, yeah. I haven't. I have a lot of friends that who, sounds who pretty like good. it, but uh, I, I need to, <laughs> you know, next, time out, you're, next time you're <laughs> here, we go. It's been on my list for a
0: long, long time. For sure. All right. Sick. Running it back. Uh, Again, I have a little horror movie called Stop Motion that I thought was a very interesting take on uh, art and how we kind of put ourselves into the art, and sometimes it becomes a horror movie. Uh, Another one that I had was As We Speak, a documentary that premiered at Sundance that's about rap music. Yep. Being put on trial. Uh, And then the last one that I had over here, what was the pick that I had? Uh, Problemista, which I have no idea where it went, but... Uh Go see the image in theaters because it is (laughs) a limited release. Zach has. Uh,
1: I had Io Capitano, one of the... Oscar nominees for Best International Feature, The Story of Some Sen- Senegalese Migrants and the Arduous Journey They Take. I have The Hudsucker Proxy, an absolutely hilarious and overlooked movie in the Coen Brothers canon that is a uh, corporate satire. She's great in it, bro. Extremely goofy. Incredible doing the His Girl Friday thing.
0: It's, it's and for her amazing. to come back in the Fargo series?
1: Yeah. Oh, so good. Uh, And then my last pick for the week is Veselka, the movie, a very moving documentary about a Ukrainian-American institution.
0: Beautiful. All right. That is it for this week's show. You can uh, find more from me over at LME Movies on Twitter, on YouTube, on Letterboxd, all that good stuff. Zach, where can people find more from you? You can catch more from me at Zshevich across social media. That's
1: Z-S-H-E-V as in Veselka, I-C-H. Or catch my videos at Multiplex Show on you YouTube, know TikTok, to, yeah. and Instagram.
0: You had me in the first half. <laughs> uh, <laughs> reminder that you can listen to every episode of the Intercup Podcast on iTunes, Anchor, Spotify, all your favorite podcatchers out there. We have so much stuff. Uh, like... Zach had mentioned we had some stuff in the reserve dealing with the Cohen brothers that I think people are going to really like Uh, one second over here Uh, shout out to the patrons over on the Intercut podcast who for just one dollar support us and allow us to be able to do all of this fantastic content over here a shout out to all the iTunes listeners who leave us five star reviews we really appreciate that don't forget to leave us a comment drop a like follow all the socials on Intercut pod down to the Intercuts channel over there and until next time keep watching movies and we'll see you at the IMAX take care Bullock, got to be there.